0: Welcome to Risk Never Sleeps, where we meet and get to know the people delivering patient care and protecting patient safety. I'm your host Ed Godette. Welcome to the Risk Never Sleeps podcast, in which we discuss the people that are protecting patient care. I'm Ed Godette, the host of our program today, and I am pleased to be joined by my good friend, longtime colleague Wes Wright. Wes, good day to you, Hi. sir. Good day to you as well, Ed. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah, I know. It's been a pleasure to catch up. How's your summer going? It's been
1: a fantastic summer. As before we came on air, as we talked about, for the first time in a long time, had my boys most of the summer. uh, Nice. You know, the podcast is risk Never Sleep. But I tell you, when you get an 8- and 11-year-old to go to sleep, and your risk quotient goes way
0: down. I'll tell you that. Maybe it doesn't sleep, but it goes way down. <laughs> that is so true, especially with boys, right? I mean, because you yeah. know when they're sleeping, yeah. usually they're sleeping. And I had three girls, and I was never sure if they were home or not. <laughs> they're all much older now, so I... I'm sure if they're listening to this, don't hate me, kids. <laughs> Always interesting though, there's no book to be a parent, is there? There's no manual to be a no, parent. No, there's not. You just I mean, that
1: is one of those situations where you just do what you think's best yeah. and cross your fingers that it's actually is what's best.
0: Yeah. I remember having a drink with my dad when I was a little older and a little more mature and I could kind of deal with the issues I was having with them. Yeah, no, I was, <laughs> <laughs> that was actually, uh, it was a college, I think. I think I came home from college and I had all these issues I wanted to work through with them. And typically that got done at a bar. And so I kind of laid it on him and he just kind of put his head in his hands and said, I was doing the best I could. I thought I was doing the best I could. And I thought to myself, yeah. okay, that's a legitimate, real answer. And, you know, I forgive you and let's move on with our lives and I hope my kids someday will hear this and say, okay, my dad was doing the best he could. <laughs> hey, and always and forever, no malicious intent in anything. <laughs> no, benign intent. Always assuming yes. Benign intent. Yeah. So um, how did you get into healthcare? You've been in healthcare for a while. Take us through your career background before we get yeah. to the personal side. Yeah, it's been almost 30
1: years now. and uh, uh-huh. I got into healthcare IT like most folks do. I started out as a Korean cryptologic linguist in the Air Force, which, well, like I say- Is the normal path, but from there I got into an Air Force program called the Health Services Administration. Uh, There's actually quite a few of us out there, and while doing that, there's five primary areas that you can focus in, and one of them is IT. I didn't start out in IT; however, I was a logistics officer, did an internship, and then saw an IT guy at my hospital I went to in Wichita, Kansas, little Mm -hmm. clinic. In 94 and 95, they were installing a health record, an electronic health record. One of the first ones, you know, DOD was one of the first ones to put that system on. And I was watching him do that. And I was fascinated by how these things could talk to each other. And that inspired me the, the next job. Luckily, I was in the Air Force at the point in time where you could choose your next job. And there was a CIO opening at a small community hospital, Air Force Hospital in Yokota Air Base in Japan. Hmm. So, uh, I, nice. I got my start at a 25 bed community hospital in Japan and it worked out beautifully for me at the time. And some people won't even know this, but we were running something called Novell oh, uh, right. at the time. We <laughs> so were running Banyan, Banyan, Banyan Vines. <laughs> Banyan Vines on top of Novell. That's what we were doing. Yeah. And the air force made the decision to switch from uh, Novell to, at the time, Windows NT Mm-hmm. And there was nobody in my shop, you know, small hospital, about eight people. There's nobody in my shop that knew anything about that. So I took a week off and, and did all the CBTs for Windows NT. And that's really what my technical appetite more than anything. I kind of lean more on the technical side on the CIO band rather than the business side, frankly. Mm-hmm. And you were at Sutter, right? For a while? Yeah, I did uh, moved all about in the Air Force. They're good at moving you every two or three mm-hmm. years. So I did that. And then got out. Gosh, it's almost been I've almost been out as long as I was. I got out in two thousand six, retired in two thousand six, so another three years, and it'll be twenty years since I've been out. Wow. And started to work with Drex down at Scripps in San Diego. And then we moved to Seattle Children's and he went off and did some stuff and I stayed there for a bit and then Sutter and then for three years and
0: then in for the last five. And mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see where we go from here. Yeah, I know. We share a lot of background. I spend time at Improbata. Yeah. I also spend time in the Army, military. So I oh, thank you sure. for your service. And uh, reciprocating here. <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you. So it's been a crazy couple of years for us living through the pandemic. What are you most proud of as you kind of reflect over the last couple of years?
1: The work over the last couple of years, I think, is bringing the concept of digital identity as an integrated service line rather than just pieces and parts. I know that's just starting to catch on, but I never thought of when I was out in the field, I never thought of identity as a service. I always thought it as a group of tools Mm -hmm. you had to put together. So getting folks to think about that and the importance of that over the last several years, that's something I'm pretty proud of because we weren't thinking that way before. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, and all you had was piece parts, right? You had paint, right, you had right. vodka, you had Improvada, And yeah, if you wanted yeah. capabilities, you had to sort of pick one of or more of those solutions and yeah. pull them and cobble them together. And oftentimes, yeah. they didn't even integrate. So, yeah, that's... Right, right. And what were some of the benefits that customers were finding through that approach? Well, it's just like
1: in everything. And when I was at Sutter, I used to preach this, what I call the QS4 model. And that's quality supported by stability, speed, security. Mm -hmm. No stability, security, speed, Mm -hmm. all on the platform of simplicity. So, I mean, really, the more simple you can make things, which if you can run things as a service line rather than as individual pieces of parts, then you're making them more simple. The more simply you can run things, well, the more stable they become, the more secure they become, the faster you can change them. And so to me, it's all about simplicity and standardization. Talk about reducing risk. The more
0: you can standardize and simplify, yeah. the less risk you have. I always like to refer to this phrase I learned. I actually a CTO out of industry. I forget his name now, but he coined it and I always refer to it. Entropy requires no maintenance. And so yeah. <laughs> the hardest part of sure. those things always is maintaining these systems for the near and long term and
1: well and that's just eating our lunch too i mean from a health it perspective i know we get the question later but i'm going to pull out my soapbox right now i mean we just can't keep adding applications to this finite resource of people to maintain these applications i mean we just consistently add and add and add and add Every once in a while, you might take something away. So my theme for this year, and something I'm going to be talking. To. Drex and I and Bill Russell were talking the other day. My theme for the year is all about application rationalization. In order for people to do their best work, we've got to take stuff off their plate. And the easiest way to do that, in my mind, is to... At one of my places, I had 35,000 applications. You know, it could have been one application, 10 different versions, but... 35,000, how are you supposed to manage, Mm -hmm. reduce the risk on that? So that is a lever that affects so many things that that's become my soapbox
0: as of late. That and cyber meaningful use, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point. Oh, yes. My favorite topic. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. No, and and it's interesting on the rationalization, I would almost take it one step further to say, we almost need to rationalize our processes, like process rationalization, application obviously support those processes, but take into consideration not only the technologies and the processes, but also those people that are behind it. And if we're going to transform the organization in a meaningful way, we've got to look at all of those things together, I think. You know,
1: and and you just called out something that IT folks are just incredibly guilty of, and that is not looking at the process Mm. that drove the selection of that application. Anyhow, if you're going to do application rationalization, that's actually where you stop. Uh, where you start, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. Uh, you start over there. You find the application, and then just oh, we only use this twice a year. Well, hell, go find out what process
0: that supports first before yeah. you go. We don't need that. Yeah. And what other applications can we consolidate? Continually trying to get to that single pane of glass, although. That's a little of an overused phrase, but still yeah. so important if you can get there where you're limiting and reducing, again, not only the hard investment you make, but all that soft investment that is made to support and maintain those things over the long term.
1: Oh, yeah. It, one of the places I work, I actually tried to get that on as a hospital goal is application sure. rationalization. You know, yeah. some percentage is this much and so. That's the kind of enterprise involvement you need in that. I didn't get it, and I didn't do application rationalization there.
0: Yeah. Well, and the other thing, I mean, because it's huge, right? It's multifaceted. Mm -hmm. It's also got a regulatory implication to it, too, because I was talking to someone this week about they were complaining because they had to manage multiple instances of legacy EMRs Oh yeah. because of discovery purposes, and they couldn't pull the data out and just store it. I actually had to keep it in the container.
1: Yeah, because um, they have to be able to present the data in the same manner that it was presented to the clinician at that time. Exactly. And it's
0: just, like, it's a killer. It's a killer. It's Especially as you're consolidating your organization or organizations together. And mm-hmm. Now you're going to manage these multiple, multiple, right? Inpatient, outpatient. I mean, what a nightmare. Yeah, no. but you know, you don't need
1: four different ways to send a text message either.
0: No, that's, yeah. that is true. <laughs> that is true. So, Having built a yeah, texting
1: yeah. system, yes, I agree with that. Yes, was, pick the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> leave the EHRs out for. That's right. That's right. Out for a bit. That's right. So when you're not working, you're not doing tech mm. stuff
0: and healthcare stuff. What are you passionate about?
1: You know, I used to be a runner. Mm. Um, ah. my hips and knees. I got the nine. I got to nine marathons and I just, one time I want to, maybe even if I have to walk it, I'm going to get that chance, damn it. But I used to run a lot, but I've moved out kind of in the country and have some property now and- God, it's amazing to me how much, how much time it takes to maintain a couple of acres of property. So, you know, I hate to say it, but I've become a health IT slash lawn guy, frankly, with uh, an, occasional, uh, health, uh, an occasional opportunity to watch a movie or something every now and then, but pretty boring life, right? What are you binge watching? Any interesting movies or series? You know, when I was a kid, I grew up reading Asimov. And Apple has that new series out called Foundation, which is based on Asma's books. Oh, I didn't so I've been I've been kind of watching that. They just released a new season,
0: so it's kind of fun stuff to watch. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you a Neil Stevenson fan, Cryptonomicon? Or oh, that's a great. I mean, coming out of cryptography, you should check that book out. It's, yeah, it's that's a what story- I may have. Yeah. Oh, you may have. Yeah. Years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's so old, yeah. Back in the day. Hey, back in uh, the day. Back in the day. Yeah. Um, I remember that was like
1: almost 40 years ago. So. No, I know. All right. <laughs> any other passions? I like to travel. We like yeah, to travel no. and, and see different places. And what's the, the most
0: interesting you're... place you've been to? Wow. Interesting for you. It could be anywhere in the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've really enjoyed Italy. I've got some in-law relatives that own a bed and breakfast in Northern Italy. And oh, wow! so that's been really fun to get to know the culture of mm-hmm. Italy that, you know, from a family perspective, but from a pure, just, wow, this is a fun city. Sydney's pretty cool. Oh and yeah. And it's yeah. just, it is so cosmopolitan. Yeah. So walkable so pretty people are all super nice so sydney and italy you know i like the hardship places
0: (laughs) (laughs) well italy is so different too like you get florence you get venice you got yeah, obviously yeah we did part. that one based out of the north but then you know we went to sicily
1: for a couple nights you did, completely yeah, different from the north and exactly so on and so forth so did yeah
0: amalfi yeah. at
1: all or? yeah yeah we did yeah. uh amalfi coast we rented a boat and took us all along the coast there which was fairly economical if there's four or five of you that want to go on a boat tour i'd recommend yeah. just rent a boat you're probably going to get oh, it away for cheaper friend. and it's neater it's nice. more fun yeah no oh, it's so yeah. beautiful oh and speaking of Sicily and movies, though, and binge watching, there's one on Paramount. It's called The Offer. It's oh. about the making of The Godfather. Uh, oh, the producer it. Al Ruddy produced that series, so it's really interesting if you're into Italy or The Godfather
0: at all. Yeah. It's a really cool series. I'm a huge Francis Ford coppola fan mm. and apocalypse now one of my favorite movies of all time but similarly there's a heart of darkness which was uh i think his wife actually mm. made, made that film it's a documentary of the making of the apocalypse now movie oh it's okay i didn't know that yeah i like
1: coppola too yeah
0: yeah check it out it's really interesting mm. and the stuff like he was renting helicopters from the army and then they had they called him back because it was an issue they had to go you know, Victor, oh, Victor, man. The movie, yeah, it's like crazy. Like, nice. You know, all, this, all this crazy stuff going on. But uh, Right now, it's, it's a good, yeah, Heart of Darkness. It's a good. Heart thing. of Darkness. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, that movie's after the Joseph Conrad book, Heart of Darkness. Okay, let's see. What else do I have track here for you? <laughs> well, we are running close to time, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this question because. What's that? This is the Wrist Never Sleeps podcast. Mm-hmm. What? West Wright is the riskiest thing you've ever done in your life.
1: You know, it was that juncture between when I was a Korean cryptologic linguist and a health service administrator. Seven years, almost eight years into the Air Force, and for some reason I decided I was going to leave the Air Force and go get my master's degree, which doesn't sound that risky, except I didn't have a job, I had a wife, and I had a three-year-old kid. That's pretty risky. So I think that's probably... I still to this day don't know where I got the stones to make that decision, but that's probably the riskiest thing I've done from a lifetime perspective. Oh, so no bungee jumping, no swimming. Not for me, none of that. No bungee, no parachute, no, you know, 20 years in the Air Force, but I don't like being high unless I'm in an airplane. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, that's good. I'm glad you said that. This is a clean program, (laughs) Wes. I think we're both hippies at some point in our lifetime, maybe. Probably. (laughs) Well, that's great. Hardest lesson in your career?
1: You know, boy, I'm dragging these up out of nowhere. This came back from the time when I was a logistics officer and deciding to become a healthcare IT Again, I was a logistics officer, small clinic and uh, lost sight of some expiration dates on some stuff and could have really hurt some people. And that was a quite a life lesson for me at that point in time. And it just really associated the work that I'm doing in healthcare with the people, which is, you know, as a logistics officer, you don't really, mm-hmm. you don't see the patients, you don't interact with the right. patients, but really that taught me that everything that's done in healthcare is super super important, be it at the patient bedside or in the back office. So that was a good lesson to learn and a hard way to learn it, but I'm glad I did at that early juncture.
0: Yeah, I know, and it's so true. And what a great point to make on this program because now more than ever, the professionals at the front line, protecting the systems basically, or yep. delivering care, you know, right, are truly make a difference in whether or not a patient gets the care they need to sustain life, right? So if a patient is hooked up to a medical device and it gets hacked and gets shut down, or if a actual clinic or hospital gets shut down due to ransomware, these are direct impacts to patients. So, Or
1: something not even that obvious. You you know, a piece of software that you meant to do a good thing interrupts a physician's train of thought and just causes this exactly. cognitive dissonance yes. that doesn't have to be there. And that's where everything you do matters in that delivery of patient care. Mm-hmm. You may think this little pop-up message saying that lunch is ready or something like that is no big deal, but you've just taken the focus away from somebody who's delivery patient. So that's the lesson I learned with that. You know, I had this little bitty vial that was sitting, it wasn't even a refrigerator. Yeah, it was, we were sitting on the refrigerator, this innocuous thing. And it affected this many people. Wow. And
0: these innocuous things that we're doing yeah. affect a lot of people down the road. No, that's a, that's a great lesson. One more question. You can go back in time and you okay. run into your 20 year old self. What would you tell mm-hmm. the 20 year old West, right? you know,
1: It'd be just keep plugging away. I didn't find my calling until late in life, frankly. And you know, at that time in my twenties, you get a lot of frustration about you do have some friend my daughter, you know, she decided she wanted to do this when she was 12 years old. So, you know, when she was 20, she took off and she, I wasn't fortunate like that. So and my dad said it a couple of times to me. It's just hey, keep plugging away, you know, just keep doing the right thing. And eventually something will break and you'll find something. And it took a bit, but I did find something. So that's, I guess I'd give the same advice my dad gave me when I was 20 and that's
0: just keep plugging away. That's great. That's terrific. Yeah. And it's funny. I asked that question to all guests and the answers are very similar in nature. Oh, really? Yeah. And I always thought like, well, they're going to say like buy Microsoft or, (laughs) (laughs) but, but it's not about that. And I think that's what's interesting about people. It's not always about those material things or simply money that everyone assumes that that's what everyone's after. So no, that's great. And, um, any other last comments or thoughts? Oh, no, just, I really appreciate you having me on. And it's a, it's fun discussion. Yeah, no, thanks Wes. And thanks to our listeners. This is Edgar dead from the risk, never sleeps podcast. And if you're on the front lines, protecting patient safety, stay vigilant because risk never sleeps. Thanks for listening to Risk Never Sleeps. For the show notes, resources, and more information on how to transform the protection of patient safety, visit us at sensinet.com. That's C-E-N-S-I-N-E-T.com. I'm your host, Ed Gaudette. And until next time, stay vigilant because Risk Never Sleeps.